Hey everyone, this is Will Hobson, and this is the Oregon Libertarian Podcast, uh, live from, uh, not downtown Portland, but not too far from it. Um, I'm joined here with Pablo, who's going to uh, update us on the goings-on uh, of election night. Hello, Will. Great, great, great to join you here in beautiful North Portland. Uh, we had a small change in our venue originally because, um, you know, some people are going to get too excited about the election tonight, possibly. So we wanted to make sure that uh, we stay as far away from that as possible. Uh, we are excited to see some of the returns come in. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we have a ton of information about uh, Oregon uh, and Portland specific, Multnomah County specific returns quite yet. But we do realize that there's quite a few interesting things on the ballot that libertarians should care about. One of the most interesting ones to me right now is uh, the ballot measure that would bring uh, RCV voting to Multnomah County, ranked choice voting. Measure 26232 amends the Multnomah County Charter to allow voters to rank candidates in order of preference uh, for county elected offices. This, on the face of it, seems to be a solution to the, the duopoly problem. Uh, with us here today is uh, Annie Callen, who is something of an expert on alternative voting methods, specifically the STAR methods. Um, Annie, uh, could you uh, come on board so we can uh, hear a little bit about what STAR stands for? First of all, what does STAR mean? All right, well, I want to back up a little bit because there's, um, I want to make sure that we're not confused between STAR voting and ranked choice voting because those are two different methods. Um, so ranked choice voting is what's on the ballot, but STAR voting is a different alternative voting method. And it stands for score, then automatic runoff. And that's how it works. You score candidates on a scale of zero to five. The top two highest scoring candidates are finalists, and then the finalists with the most votes wins. Um, so just like as ranked choice voting is advertised as um, if your favor doesn't win, your vote can transfer to a finalist that you prefer. Um, but it just does it a lot better than ranked choice voting does. Right. So, like, on the ballot today uh, is ranked choice voting. And ranked choice voting, as I understand it, has some problems in the way that Multnomah, it would be applied to Multnomah County in that the way that Multnomah is organized across three different cities, uh, across a couple of different, a couple of different counties, that the, the total of, the total components of the ranked choice voting for Multnomah County are not summable in the way that you would see in other alternative, perhaps even better uh, voting methods. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Because this is, on the face of it, a little bit like democracy is uh, on the face is also very simple. Uh, these alternatives, one of the one of the frictions that I have with it as a like person who builds software and tries to build experiences that are simple in terms of user experience, people understand intuitively. There's there's kind of a bigger cognitive load uh, on the uh, average median voter, I think, with alternative voter alternative voting methods versus uh, the winner take all system we have today. Uh, my question here is specifically like, what is the issue with this specific RCV implementation? Yeah, so um, the, the problem I think that you're getting at is that ranked choice voting cannot be summed um, by precinct, so that it requires centralized tabulation, meaning that whichever um, municipality or precinct or, um, I don't know what you want to say, like, the region that's using ranked choice voting, you have to send all the ballots or the ballot data to a central location. And um, 
in the city of Portland, which has a, a similar but different proposal on the ballot right now, that's a problem because the city of Portland is in three different counties. And so it would have to send that ballot data to a central location to run through the rounds of elimination and not have those subtotals. So it just, it reduces transparency and it, and it um, makes elections less secure because you can't have that local control over things. It's less of a problem when you're looking at a city or county level and it becomes more of a problem if you're trying to look at it at like a statewide or a national level. So it doesn't scale very well, um, whereas star voting does scale better. Thank you. So um, in terms of where we should stand, would, would Portland be better off? Would Multnomah County be better off with ranked choice voting versus status quo? This is a bit controversial even among voting method reform advocates. My position is I say that it would not be. Um, in some metrics it would be. So when you look at simulations of voting satisfaction efficiency, uh, ranked choice voting is marginally better than plurality plus top two voting, which is what we're using right now in Multnomah County. Um, however, it's only a slight improvement in that voter satisfaction with the results. And the cost is that reduced transparency and that reduced security. So for my money, it's not a better voting method. And there are better options that already exist, like star voting, approval voting, even Condorcet voting. So there's no reason to go with a 150-year-old voting method like ranked choice voting just because it's been around and people know the name. Thanks for that explanation. Um, I uh, love to get some uh, results here in just a little bit about maybe some of the other races going on around the country. I know there have been some highly publicized races like the ones in uh, Pennsylvania uh, between uh, Fetterman and Dr. Oz, uh, although I think it's still pretty early in the evening right now. We probably don't have a, too many uh, results. Oh, by the way, thank you so much, Andy, uh, before you go. Yeah. Thank you so much. No problem. Yeah. If someone wanted to learn more about star voting and, and, and alternative voting methods in Multnomah specifically, uh, where should they go? They can go to www.starvoting.us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Annie. Uh, so uh, we are uh, live, and I'm looking at uh, for results uh, in in Oregon, and we don't have many specifically to Oregon. But in terms of the libertarian element and the libertarian factor in uh, midterms 2022, like it's been interesting. Will um, we we have candidates on the ballot in a lot of key races? Uh, we have some interesting activities by libertarians in various states that are super close and probably going to be too close to call tonight. Thinking very specifically of uh, the state of Arizona, um, do you have time or do you think it would be a good idea to sort of get into the dynamics of that race specifically right now or should we hold that to later? You want to talk about Blake Masters? I want to talk about Blake Masters and I want to talk about sort of the gamble. The, there's a big bet tonight and I think every libertarian... In, in Oregon, every libertarian in the United States should be paying really close attention to this bet that Mark Victor made in Arizona, because whatever happens, I think we need to really think and talk about sort of what this could mean uh, for future libertarian races in closed states, where there is a pro-liberty candidate, and that candidate might not necessarily be a member of the Libertarian Party. 
Yeah, well, uh, I'm definitely interested in the dynamic that uh, would unfold if we start to realize that we do have some level of leverage, you know, like we aren't just this, you know, um, you know, essentially modeled United Nations for adults, you know, playing at, you know, politics like we do have, you know, for our size, we do have some sway. We could, you know, we could start to think of our, you know, our strategies instead of like having this like grand crusade to, you know, put up this ultimately, you know, um, you, you know, like this, this moral crusade to put up, you know, candidates that don't win, you know, that makes us feel good, but doesn't really change anything on the ground. But then we could, we could think of our party in a different way where we could actually make the difference in certain races, uh, you know, for the better. And we could start to think of ourselves as kingmakers. Going back to that, uh, the former chair of the Libertarian Party, Nicholas Sarwak, in his yeah. debate uh, in September of 2019 in New York City at the Soho Forum with Dave Smith on sort of what the best libertarian strategy is, uh, said something really important, and I think that's worth repeating here, uh, and I'm par paraphrasing him, but he said that uh, in cases where the libertarian has been the difference between, it has been the margin, the vote share of the libertarian has been the margin of victory by either the D or the R, that uh, even though it may not feel like victory for libertarians, that the other parties do take note. And uh, we saw some action in the state of Arizona where $120,000 of the campaign funds that went to Mark Victor, the libertarian Senate candidate, came from Democratic Party-aligned organizations. Um, as far as I know, um, this uh, is a substantial amount of money for the Senate candidate in Arizona to have raised and to have been raised with a Democrat by Democratic sources, it makes me think that they may have had some ulterior motives. They may not have wanted a libertarian to be uh, the, the representative in the Senate from Arizona. Maybe I'm naive. I'm not. I'm sort of new to politics. Will, what do you think the intention was of that $120,000 donation? I think it's exactly what you uh, you think it is. It's a way for them to, uh, you know, push the you know in a tight race push you know the margin in their favor you know if they think the libertarians are eating into the republicans vote total it's just like standard game theory that you know you would want to support the uh faction that is eating into your most uh dangerous opponent's uh yeah, eating into your opponent, uh, your most dangerous opponent's, you know, ability to win. Um, and I really think that's actually something, you know, uh, we're, we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, being the margin of difference for Republicans, you know, and trying to, like, kind of twist their arm into getting what we want out of them. But we could also turn it on to the Democrats and be like, hey, Republicans won't work with us. Hey, Democrats, you want us to be a spoiler for uh, these Republicans? Send us a bunch of money. Fund our party. Make us more powerful. Put us to prominence. We can we can play both sides, and I think we can uh, basically take advantage if we all start to think in kind of long term strategy, and don't think in the short term. Because the the Republicans and the Democrats have politicians that are trying to get elected each cycle because they want to keep their jobs. We don't. For, for the most part, I don't think libertarians are trying to seek jobs in government. We're trying to seek liberty. And if we can play off of their short-term desires to stay in office, we can start making long-term gains. Yeah, I, and I agree. And so, like, another example of, uh, of 
of the Arizona bet here is that for those of you who have been living under a rock or who are ultra focused as you should be on Oregon issues, the Libertarian Party candidate, Mark Victor, um, was uh, polling five, six percent. He was he made enough to be on the debate stage with Blake Masters and uh, Mark uh, Kelly, uh, the, the, the Democratic uh, senatorial candidate, who is uh, the husband of Gabby Giffords, who is a gun rights, a gun restriction advocate. And um, Mark, uh, I mean, Blake Masters is a Republican. He is kind of, he is definitely a hawk on China. He uh, has a, a background in venture capital. He is part of Peter Thiel's network. He co-wrote Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One. Uh, Peter Thiel is this uh, somewhat sinister billionaire who in 2016 made a bet uh, to back Trump over Hillary Clinton, who we saw as a danger to like the existence of humanity, uh, which is understandable. Um, and Mark, uh, Blake Masters, at one point in his life, uh, was a libertarian, and not just any kind of libertarian. He was a Mises University multi-attendee. He was quoting Rothbard. He was an uh, anarcho-capitalist who, for a variety of reasons, left, left the ideology behind. Um, but in the we last few weeks, he's been making out outreach efforts to libertarians in a way that I haven't seen any Republican do. He spoke with Ron Paul. He spoke with Dave Smith. Uh, he eventually spoke to Mark Victor. And over the course of a half-hour interview with Mark Victor, uh, passed the candidate, Libertarian Party Senate candidate in Arizona, Mark Victor's litmus test for endorsement. And so Mark Victor did something unprecedented, I feel, in recent memory and what and it's a bet it's definitely a bet it's a risk politics is about hurting your enemies and helping your friends uh it's a zero-sum game it is alien to the human flourishing that you and i will as human beings as peace-loving uh uh people who believe in a voluntary society would do but politics is a slightly different game right it's a zero-sum mark victor dropped out of the race and endorsed blake masters the libertarian party candidate at the in the last few days of the of the campaign left his campaign behind and said, Blake Masters, you have a better chance of being elected to the, to the Senate. And if you do so, you would probably be a better representative than Mark Kelly. Longer term, like we need time for this to prove itself out. But if it turns out that Blake Masters is closer to Ron Paul versus I mean, or Rand Paul, sorry, Senator Rand Paul, I wish Rand was Ron. But if Blake Masters is closer to Rand Paul, I think it's a win for the Libertarian Party. I think it might be one of the most consequential things that we've seen the Libertarian Party do in the last decade. In, and I am very eager to hear any of our listeners out here today uh, sort of call in and opine uh, if you, what you think about this. And I, I'm going to be talking about this for the next few weeks because I just think it's, it's interesting, it's intriguing. If Blake Masters wins, he owes the Libertarian Party. If he wins Absolutely. and he governs like Lindsey Graham, he's going to answer the Libertarian Party. We will never stand out another candidate against Blake Masters if he becomes a neocon war hawk in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really think, you know, what we're getting on here, that the basic is that we are an insurgent party. We don't have the power and thus we need to operate differently than the other two parties. It's like going into, a, you know, a gym and, and expecting to like bench 
you know, like the full the full rack, you know, on the I, I don't know what the, the machine is when you pull down on the cord, but like, you, you know, and, and the, the yeah, machine that I, has I use barbells. Uh, yeah, barbell. <laughs> OK, it's, it's like trying to go and be like, you know, today I'm going to bench 500 pounds because I really feel like it and because I've seen other people do it and I feel like I should. But that's the thing is like you have to build up to you, we have to we're like you, we should really think of ourselves as rungs on a ladder and we shouldn't be behaving like we already have 33 percent of the vote we should be behaving like what percentage of the vote we have which is like two or three percent i definitely yeah. feel that and yeah. sort of as a better metaphor will you and i you're um i have a, a 11 year old niece yeah. you and i can both beat her at a bench press competition yeah sure and, and yeah. i i feel like uh the, that that if you wanted to show if you wanted to show strength, like we would have to compete against uh, someone who we're the nine year old we're, we're we're the nine year old in, in this case in this this eleven year old absolutely yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we could not we can definitely outlift a child but you and I cannot both uh, outlift uh, I don't know who, who's a, who's a muscly guy here uh, Vin Diesel like we couldn't I don't think I can bench press more than Vin Diesel um, but we, we'll get there but if we can if we can be the difference if we can figure out how we can be a factor. Maybe we can start getting concessions in terms of bargaining with candidates. I don't think that we would have ever run a good candidate, a good libertarian candidate, the best libertarian. I, if, 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 if Ron Paul moved to the Michigan 1st District, and it is the year 2014, uh, Justin Amash would be the sitting Republican congressman. I don't think it would be in the Libertarian Party's interest to run the greatest candidate, uh, a great libertarian candidate against uh, Justin Amash style Republican. I don't think that would make sense. I don't think that'd be a good investment of resources. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I and, and yeah, I agree. Although I, I have my, my qualms with Justin Amash. Uh, I, I definitely think he's far and away better than anybody. And I really appreciated him for uh, when he was the libertarian in Congress, which he was for, you know, the U S Congress, he was for a little bit. Uh, he uh, co-authored a bill that end to end qualified immunity. That was very simple. It was one of the first bills with like tripartisan legislation. That's a fun word to say tripartisan. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, the thing I think that where we disagree with some people on the strategy is that what we're really saying here is that the, the, the main disagreement is that we believe that doing this doesn't dilute the strength of the party. It actually enhances it and it builds it up. This is the path to becoming stronger. This is in the path to diluting our power and making us weaker. I, I, I agree. Like there, there are multiple. The Libertarian Party has five founding principles as to why it exists. Um, running candidates is basically two of those five. Yeah. So I think there are other things that can be done um, to advance liberty in our lifetimes that don't necessarily mean um, standing up a candidate in elections we know uh, that there is perhaps a, a friendlier voice to liberty. This is controversial. There are some people in our party who have very strong, logical, maybe sometimes emotional cases for why we need to be running candidates in every single race. The state of Oregon, for example, we, we has a fiduciary duty to run as many um, partisan uh, candidates for office in the state as possible. And we agree like that's that's what we attempted to do this year uh we, we have a candidate for governor for example who is probably going to be the margin of difference between the d and the r and that's a great, and that's great. yeah because no, they're both yeah. terrible 
Well, and I, I really think that's great because then we can go, we can use it as our bargaining chip. Like, like, hey, look what we did to you. We really ruined you. And now we want, and if you ever want to negotiate with us, now we have these, these chips, you know, like, I, I really think that um, th this is how you grow the party by showing that you can leverage power. Because who wants to join an organization that doesn't have any power to change anything? Nobody wants to join that organization. But if we start showing like, hey, look, look what power we have. Look at this flex it. Look, look, you know, people from other parties, you know, or independents, Democrats, Republicans, come over to the Libertarian Party and be the kingmaker party. Be the, the party that gets to choose. And uh, I, in who, terms of who makes it in terms of people offering a party that offers its locality uh, real choice, I would like to point everyone to the story of the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County. Los Angeles is not a strongly libertarian town. It is it is the center of Hollywood. It is the center of culture. You don't say. <laughs> but the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles was able to fight the vaccine mandate by running an insurgent campaign under the leadership of Angela McArdle, where they were able to gather enough signatures by harnessing a very important single-issue coalition topic, and that is whether or not you should take a... Uh, whether or not you need a... a a vaccine in order to enter public life in the city of Los Angeles. And the city of Los Angeles waffled. When the, the Libertarian Party garnered both the media attention and the signatures to put this on the ballot. And by the way, everyone's talking about how important democracy is. Well, here's an example of, of the importance of democracy. The city of Los Angeles decided that they would not put it on the ballot because they would lose. And that, that is a good example of a local entity of the Libertarian Party making real change, real significant change in the, in the lives of many, many people, including for the, the, for the libertarians who, who are uh, more identitarian than, than we are generally, but like uh, the, the, the vaccine rate, uh, the vaccines distribution uh, and the way that people are vaccinated in every measurement policy area has a skew in that uh, people of color t tended to be vaccine hesitant and um, they were, in fact, um, excluded from public life. So my mother-in-law in Los Angeles, if this vaccine mandate had gone in the past, uh, who grew up in segregated Texas, would uh, spend her senior years in, in a segregated city in the West Coast, which is, it, it's, it's literally a clown world. But like, here's a single issue coalition of, on a topic that was unique to the times where the Libertarian Party rose of the challenge and i would like us to bring that sort of creativity to how we wield our our organizing time and i want to make the case that there perhaps are other issues like we just talked about the alternative choice voting with annie helen a great libertarian who's deeply involved in this other effort that could be beneficial to libertarians in the long term um and i'm thinking that um we need to reassess after 2022 as to like what lessons are we learning from Mark Victor? Um, we're a, a party under new management. Uh, what are we really trying to do here? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very pro-experimentation when it comes to strategy because I'm not, I'm not wise enough to say that what's going to work, what's not. And I want all the different 50 state parties to be like, essentially what the United States are is laboratories of freedom. I want them, I want to, I want, 50 laboratories experimenting with what strategies are going to benefit the Libertarian Party. And when something starts to stick, when one party starts to gain traction, everyone should take a note and be like, hey, that's working. Let's do that too. 
you know, I, I, I think that uh, trying to play the same game as the, the R's and the D's is it's a losing game. We because we don't have what they have. We have to we have to be efficient. We have to be scrappy. We have to be tactical. We have to be ruthless. And I think that's how we're going to gain ground and, and think outside the box. Um, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I, I'm curious to see, though, um, what, what how this is going to play out. Uh, and by the way, I, I hate to, to, well, actually you will, but there, there are 51 parties uh, in, I, I believe DC, oh, has, right. a, DC has a party. Sorry, I, I, <clears throat> I, miss, I did a Biden there. I said. <laughs> it, 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 it's A-OK right. because, yeah. Um, yeah. I personally think that DC should should actually just cede itself back to Virginia, Maryland. DC's a parasite; should probably drift off to the Atlantic Ocean, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, yeah the, the people are nice and have some pretty buildings. Okay, fair um, enough. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the the civilians. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're 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 looking forward to like a postmortem on the election. We're going to have some more data, but the way that things have been polling is that. Um, we're we're looking at a nail bio election where, where people are just generally not happy uh, with the way, the outcome uh, of a statewide election because the government has too much power. And uh, one of the other topics that has been introduced to the discourse that is sort of somewhat controversial, um, but it's been introduced by the discourse by the new manager of the Libertarian Party is that concept of national divorce. Um, in Oregon, like to bring that home, um, Eastern Oregon would like to leave the. Oregon and, and join Idaho. Yeah, it's a great Idaho movement. Yeah, yeah and I think that, that that is another interesting topic where if this actually had roots, like libertarians who live in those areas should be all for this kind of decentralization and support it as much as possible. Even though, like, we know the, the tactically, I mean, we know tactically it would be very challenging, but I think having that enter the culture and having that become part of the um, the discourse um, would be great. Like, I I myself am surprised how far the, the, the chatter has gone. Um, decentralization in terms of um, uh, secession has been on my radar for about 22 years now, uh, since I first heard about it at a uh, Institute for Humane Studies like uh, summer event, uh, which they don't, I don't think they do anymore, but like they used to get together college students and send them to some call to a campus for a week where they would learn about Austrian economics. And part of that, they, they would learn about um, what it means to live in a totally voluntary society and, and what the logical case is for decentralization of this, aspect, of, of this scope. Um, what, since Trump won, um, we saw sort of a pushback on, on the, having a very strong federal government. Democrats, like in California, decided maybe we should you know, have Cal exit. And then when uh, Biden won, we saw uh, Florida exit and Texas exit. And like, I think that's part of the healthy discourse because we do have, what do adults, what do sensible adults who have, who are together and have their irreconcilable differences do? They divorce. No, they take it right in front of them and be awesome role models, don't they? I mean, they, they can, <laughs> and some do, uh, and, you know, feel how you feel about uh, divorce. But like, if to, if to, individuals have irreconcilable differences they can choose not to associate why should me living in multnomah county care who the senator from georgia is going to be it, it doesn't really make sense but every every election has become more or less nationalized uh, partly because the federal government has so much power and yeah, absolutely. Like, do you think you're represented? You're getting uh, adequate representation when your rep is representing nearly a million people. 
Do you think you're able to get a word in edgewise? Do you think you're able to have a say or any influence? I don't think so. I suspect not, but you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a political scientist. Yes. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah it's clearly, clearly uh, not a, a bad issue. Um, yeah, I'm going to check for any additional election results we have at 7.29 p.m. All right. Yeah, we'd like to give you at least, uh, we're probably going to wrap this up here in just a couple more minutes. We'd like to give you at least a, a snippet of anything, if anything has popped up here. Um, uh, I will say, uh, I, you know, in addition to talking about um, ba basically like different strategies, you know, like getting concessions, we do have a candidate here in Oregon, uh, Taylor Ricky who uh, did uh, step down in order and throw his support behind the Republican. And in return, I, I hear he is, uh, he did get concessions from the candidate to put forward uh, legislation for things like Defend the Guard, which is a really important uh, liberty initiative that we're, we're trying to institute where um, essentially the, uh, the state control, the, the state government controls um, whether the National Guard gets deployed in foreign conflicts and uh, can only that can only be undone if the Congress declares war, which they have been very uh, reluctant to do so. So um, that is some, definitely some interesting uh, strategic uh, applications. Yeah, he was yeah. able. So he got two concessions out of the Republican for, for endorsement. One was to introduce defend the guard legislation, which I going back to the decentralization theme, like this is another way that we can decentralize. The second was uh, to end the cap and trade tax, which I think is of interest to uh, Oregonians who are, uh, you know, like like many human beings, uh, rely on fossil fuels to uh, navigate the world. Yeah, it's kind of important. Well, uh, I don't think we're getting too much uh, news uh, right now. I guess it's just a little too early. Uh, I guess in future... Uh, Election nights, we'll probably maybe try to do it a little bit later. Uh, right now, we're kind of do it freezing out here in front of a restaurant in North Portland. So we're, we'll probably wrap it up here in a second. But uh, did you I, want? I, I am pretty confident that we have one winner tonight, and we're able to call. I, I do believe Travis West has won his election to of uh, city council, his re-election to uh, Morrow City Council. But he was running unopposed. He's actually running in December. Oh, he's running in December. Yeah, okay. We've got to wait for that. But yeah, okay. he's, we, we have definitely one uh, LP uh, city councilor pretty much in the bag. I think we can go ahead and call that race uh, a month in advance for Travis West, barring any, you know, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do that because that sounds almost like jinxing it. But uh, we're hopeful he, he will uh, uh, rise to victory and maybe we'll go and do some campaigning for him just for funsies, even though he's essentially uh guaranteed <laughs> yeah win. and in general like um i'm i'm very enthusiastic i'm less enthusiastic about uh libertarian races in at state at the statewide level like governor senator but one of the places that, that i feel very strongly that the libertarian party needs to have representatives uh or people who have a libertarian point of view are the, the areas of our daily lives that are that in the last couple of years we have seen have been vitally important that is uh your sheriff your city council and your school board need to have pro-liberty candidates on it. These organizations, these um, institutions are the ones that have the most power in the time of lockdowns and not having influence there means that a lot of really bad decisions that um, there is now empirical evidence showing that extended lockdowns hurt 
for example, the, the test scores of, of children. And, and that, to me, is sufficient evidence that we as a party probably would benefit and be able to influence the culture more by having more libertarian, more liberty-minded people elected at the school board, sheriff, and city council level. Yeah, absolutely. Sheriffs, city council, school board should all be high priority. And then when we do engage in like one or two uh, statewide rest, uh, races, I, I really think they should be more focused on education, bringing in new members, organizing the party on a grassroots level. Um, but, uh, I mean, obviously go for the kill if something, you know, uh, you know, presents itself, but, uh, we really got to think more as like insurgents and we got to build up to it. So, um, you know what? Thank you so much, Pablo, for, uh, standing out here on a cold November evening and, uh, having this little, uh, election night podcast with me i really appreciate it uh hopefully we'll have you back as a co-host and also want to say uh thank you to annie uh she's one of our uh volunteers here in multnomah county she's doing really great work uh on ranked choice voting and star voting uh and different modalities for voting i, uh, I have some breaking news actually sure. uh, uh travis west's election is today oh it is today i thought it was december uh, oh, I'm he's so running sorry. unopposed okay uh, he's on the ballot already. It's a nonpartisan race, but uh, he is, however, uh, a libertarian, and he's uh, quite active in the Libertarian Party. And he's also the founding chairman of our first Libertarian County affiliate. He is, uh, I believe, the Libertarian County uh, Sherman County has has the first county level affiliate in Oregon in many years, and so uh, he's already made quite a splash. Uh, yes. Yes, he's our, he's our uh, probably a rising star here in Oregon as far as like leadership goes. So, yes, think uh, congratulations, Travis West. Uh, I hope, imagine you'll have an easy ride to victory. But yeah, we're glad to have we have at least one uh, city councilor in our column. All right, uh, I'm going to end it there. Uh, thank you for joining me, Pablo. And uh, let's uh, yeah, let's have a, a podcast again soon. Let's let's uh, maybe maybe we'll have a election night uh, breakdown. Uh, uh, post-mortem. Yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks when yeah. there are actual results in. <laughs> exactly. We can't count all the ballots in one night. What are you talking about? We've never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, uh, everyone. Have a good night. Uh, and as I say every night, uh, cheers and live free.